Support for this episode is brought to you by SipTequila.com. I was recently at their retail store in Stewart, Florida, and it's unlike any other retail store I've experienced. In addition to their growing tequila selection, they've got a great selection of whiskeys and other spirits. And the best part? They have tasting events there, and you can sample most bottles. If you're ever near Stewart, Florida, make sure you check it out. And now, it's time to catch up with Jason from Mission 1530 on this episode of... The Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. Welcome to the show. This is the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price. This season, we've got a lot of incredible brands to showcase, but I also want to continue to share some of the stories within the industry that aren't necessarily brand focused. So today, I asked my buddy Jason Krasno from Mission 1530 to join us. Jason, welcome to the show and thanks for being here. Thanks Doug, for having me. I appreciate it. Jason, so uh, by trade, you're an attorney, is that correct? Your your day job? I'm a lawyer by trade and what kind of law? Uh, workers' compensation and social security disability. Okay, that sounds like that's enough to to make you want to drink. It does, <laughs> but I get to sue insurance carriers all the time, so it's kind of fun. Jason, for a long time now, you have been an avid tequila kind of sewer searching out a great quality tequilas. Tell me a little bit about your tequila journey, how, how you got to this part of loving great quality tequila, and when did you start getting into tequila? So when I was in a second year in law school, a friend of mine took me to Tequila's restaurant in Philadelphia. Okay. And it was the first time I met David Soro and began pretty much a lifelong friendship from that point forward. Yeah. At that dinner, I asked to try a really good tequila. And he brought out a Heradora Blanco, the Suave. And I sipped it. And that was the moment that I fell in love with tequila because I did not realize alcohol could taste that good. And and just to be clear, listeners, that's not the same as just like Heradora going to a liquor store today and grabbing no. it. That that was back then something a little different. That was 1997 pre-diffuser. So that was the real good stuff. Okay. Yeah. And, and since then, and you've just had a, a great relationship with David and, and he's continued to help you on this tequila journey. He is by far the most influential person in my life with regard to teaching him about, not only about tequila, but agave spirits and his son, Dan as well. So I think the education instilled by both of them has really set the path forward for me in this tequila and agave spirit journey. And because you're you're in Philly, you're close to that restaurant. I know that restaurant. They unfortunately had a, a fire about a year ago or so. Yep. Are they rebuilding it, or what, what's going on with that? They are rebuilding it. I was lucky enough to to walk in there with Dan, and without giving away any of the exciting uh, details of it, it's going to come back bigger and better than ever. Awesome. So I'm hoping maybe this summer, but David definitely wants to open in 2024. So that's great. I, I've had people that I've met here that they tell me they're from Philadelphia and I start to say, and they go, that's my favorite restaurant. Like they absolutely love that restaurant. So what he's done for tequila and just cuisine all around has been pretty in incredible. It's a, it's a, a stalwart in terms of, uh, the restaurant scene in Philadelphia and I've never lived more than four blocks from the restaurant. So okay, it's kind of my keystone. Okay, so so this year, hopefully, we'll we'll see the rebirth of that restaurant, Jason. the The first barrel from your Mission fifteen thirty project, it is here. It caused quite the stir online as it sold out in about a minute or so. Uh, before we get into that, when did you start thinking about putting together a program where you can give back to the industry? So during COVID, 
right when the restaurants were about to shut down, I walked into tequilas like I normally do after work because things still weren't shut down at that point, but it, it was getting there. And I had a conversation with David just about how he was doing, how the restaurant was going to be. That transitioned into us sipping. I think we were sipping Anniversario maybe. Okay. We we're, were definitely drinking something good. And we just started to talk about, you know, he was hopeful that the sale of liquor would help support him and support the tequila's family. And then we started talking about mass production and celebrities and the damage that that those two entities caused in the industry in terms of agave pricing, agave shortages. And he talked in great deal, deal about the impact that that had on the people behind these bottles, behind the distilleries, the people that were working in the fields that were working in the distilleries. And it struck a chord with me because in my years of going to tequilas and meeting people in the industry, you know, these are great people, their livelihoods depend on the, on the tequila industry. And I didn't want to see it be stripped away by private equity that backs mass production and, and celebrities that have no idea really what they're doing other than they want their name on a label. Yeah. And that came up the first concept of bad ombre, which was in 2014, David had gifted me a barrel of his Siempre Azul Añejo, okay. empty barrel. Uh, and I bought 22 cases of his Blanco at that point. My son and I filled it. I think my son was seven at that point. And it was really fun to fill a barrel yeah. with your son. And that had been aging. So for six years, when I had that conversation with David. Was that aging at your place or? Yeah. Okay. So you got the barrel, you filled it and you just let it run for six years. I did. I mean, I would sample it. I would fill bottles up. I would take it to parties. I would drink it yeah. um, through all the different stages of a young reposado to a well-aged reposado to an añejo. And now it's a, at that point, it was a six-year extra añejo that's still... and. This is a testament to the to the agaves that they used, you know, back in the day. Like I think these the agaves that were used were seven or eight years old okay. in that blanco at the time. Yeah. So you still got the agave forwardness even six years later. I think I sent you a bottle. Yeah, yeah, you did. I mean, it was a couple of years back. I mean, this is kind of where we start to see the early stages of what yeah. Mission fifteen thirty is. And you you did. I mean, you bought. 375 bottles and and you filled yeah. them up and you know you ask people hey donate to the tequila interchange project and that was really kind of the the start of this that that was a lot of work for you wasn't it that well luckily the the law business slowed down a little bit so i had some time on my hands when i would go into work but i shipped out 120 bottles didn't charge anybody for anything yeah. i i held it on good faith that they would donate to the tequila interchange project the barrel you know tapped out and uh, the uh, Bad Ombre project was done. Luckily enough, Tequila Ocho uh, was able to uh, get me 22 cases of their Blanco. So I, I got to fill up my barrel again, which just kicked recently, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know a lot of people loved it. I mean, I, I did get a bottle of it and, and it was delicious. It, you know, that I remember a dried cherry note with it, that XA, but, but that really was delicious. And, and I know that cost you a lot. I mean, that was a lot of time. That was a lot of headache. That was a lot for you to do. Uh, but it, it started you on this journey of going, Hey, what else could I do uh, with yeah. this? For it. So that barrel empties out and you said you filled it with 22 cases of Ocho. And how long did you let that run for? I filled that in 21. No, yeah, in 21, 22 cases. In between, did, it, did you rinse the barrel or did you just, nope, you just, no. just filled it? 
It was wet. Okay. I refilled it with Ocho and, and brought it to an Añejo. And then I'm, I, I have to go to, so in Pennsylvania, we have state stores. So, um, Tim from, from Southern set aside 22 cases of liter bottles for me, and I'm going to order those and I'm going to fill the barrel again. So, okay. With Ocho or what? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Ocho's readily available in, in, in Pennsylvania. So I, I tried the bad ombre. I, I did not, I, I heard stories of the Ocho kind of floating out there, uh, but didn't get a chance, but you were really happy with them. And just a fun project again, just for you to see it and to taste it along the way. And then to, to bottle it up and to share it with people is probably pretty special. It, it was great. I didn't donate any of it, but if I would travel places, yeah. I would take a bottle with me. All of the Chava, Guillermo, um, David obviously has one and Carlos, they all have a bottle of it. And what I did was, so I would actually send those bottles to people for charitable purposes. Okay. And it brought in Andy from Hong Kong, um, found a bottle of Cabeza and we, we, combine both bottles it raised $3,500. So wow. even when I had, you know, that bottle, which was a really good Añejo, I would, I would give them for charitable purposes, which was nice. For anybody that's not familiar with the Tequila Interchange Project, can you share a little bit uh, about what it is, the Bat Friendly Program? Sure. So David has always been into not only the study of agriculture and the study of agave spirits, but also the traditions and cultures that surround the agave spirit industry. He grew up in the industry. It was him and Carlos that trained under Carlos's father and Carlos's family. So, you know, Carlos has always been into the agricultural side of things to terroir yeah. and to the whole history of, of how tequila came into existence, which included the bats. So several years back, David, uh, along with several people in the educational industry, some professors, yeah. some scientists, Carlos got together to discuss what was important to them, what was important to protect, what was important to fund. And they came up with this 501c3 called the Tequila Interchange Project. And there's a lot more to it than that. I'm just sort of hitting the highlights. But Carlos and David and several other scientists came up with the Bat Friendly Project because that's are the pollinators of, of Tequila Blue Weber. And with mass production and with the agave crisis, the migratory patterns of the bats changed so that they weren't pollinating the agaves at night. So the one of the concepts behind the Bat Friendly Project is to let certain agaves mature so that it would bring the bats back so that they could feed off the sweet nectar from mature agaves. That was one of the goals of the, the Bat Friendly Project. But if you've ever been to La Altania, there's a very cool tent there that has the the Bat Initiative on there. Okay. And it's very cool to go in, go inside and, and see the influence that pollinization from bats has on the agaves. Because if you think about it, every agave we see when we go down to Guadalajara, when we go to Jalisco, when we look in the fields, are all clones of one another right. with no genetic diversity. So God forbid if a a disease or a blight happens and it wipes it out, every plant, every clone is going to die because there's no genetic diversity. Well, a hundred years ago when everything was being pollinated by these bats, there was genetic diversity among the plants. So even if there was some type of disease that would infiltrate the agave, the agaves, it wouldn't affect all of them, but today it would. So there's so many important aspects to the, tequila interchange project and this is just one yeah b birds 
bats, bees, they all play a key role with the growth of, you know, sexually reproduced agaves. Let's get into this a little bit because some people may be listening going, hey, I don't I don't fully know about this. So you said most of those agaves, they are clones, rhizomes. They they are not, you know, they these hiwelos are kind of through the root system. They can have a few of these pups come up and in each agave each year could have some of these grow, I've been told, and they can replant those. So that's just a clone of a clone of a clone opposed to what the bat friendly program is fighting for is, hey, take a certain percentage or or a number of your agaves and let them grow to full maturity, which that Quixote in the center, there's a stock to me kind of looks like asparagus or something, a giant yeah. asparagus that this will grow and it will bloom. And that's where the birds, bats, bees, they will come and pollinate it and take it and spread it around. And that's where we're getting the natural reproduction. But once you let those agaves continue to grow in order for them to to bloom, they're going to use all of their energy and they're going to actually kill that agave plant, you know, the heart there. And so producers are kind of in a tough spot because they go, hey, I don't want to kill all my crops, but I also want longevity to make sure that it's healthy. And, and what David's doing is, hey, we, we want to find the optimal you know, ecosystem to make sure that these agaves, these fields, and like you said, even these bats, they, they can all thrive in this environment. The ask from the Tequila Interchange Project to the growers and to, to these distilleries was three to 5% of your entire yield let reach maturity to help migratory patterns stay in existence. Guillermo has done it. Yeah. Carlos has done it. Ch Charlie Charlie has done yeah. it. But when the agave crisis happened, every plant was worth so much more than it's, it's ever been. Yeah. People weren't willing to sacrifice it. And I, I get it. This is a money game. But what you're sacrificing is so much more in the long term. Yeah, I was going to say long term for generation. I mean, that's why, yep. you know, guys like Carlos, they're going, hey, I've got generation with with Fanny and, you know, the, the daughters there. There is a lot at stake for them to pass on to the next generation. And I know David, David's been on the show. He's very passionate about this. I mean, he speaks at a, at a level that's like, you're like, whoa, I'm really learning something because he's so into it. And there's a lot going on there. I know it's it's something that, you know, he, he's very passionate about it. And to your point, only a handful of brands and we'd like to see more brands, not not as many farmers have said, hey, we're going to allow because there is a financial implication to that. Uh, but it is good to see that some are doing it. When I was just at Casqueen about a month ago and I saw within the grounds there, you know, one of their guys, the Quixote was was fully up. And so, you know, it is good to see as you go through the fields and you go, oh, man, look at those Quixotes and you see, yeah. OK, this this is going to have uh, some good impact opposed to just having the clone of the clone. It's it's also beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see the bats pollinate the quixotes. Yeah. David at his house in Guadalajara has these nectar feeders and the bats come in at night and it's almost like a dance when they sweep down and they feed and they go up and yeah. it creates this pattern. So imagine, you know, you're, you're at Cascaween and you're in the fields at night and you just see these patterns, these beautiful patterns of the bats. Yeah. It's, I mean, it really is something, it's just a beautiful part of nature that a lot of people are missing. And a lot of people don't understand. And I hope that, you know, through this mission project, that people really take a good look at the Tequila Interchange Project, because there is so much beauty within the different programs that they have that it's, it, it, 
I'm really hopeful that the mission program directs people towards TIP. So. Yeah. And, and look, you're, you're doing a lot of work to guide people to it and to say, hey, this is important. Take a look at this. And, you know, your good buddy, David Suro, has uh, started this, been one of the guys that started this and is very involved in it. So, you know, that was, we talked about, you know, bad ombre. That was kind of the precursor yeah. to this. And then at some point you, you buy four barrels, identical barrels for the single barrel project. How, how did this all come about? And, and even, you know, starting mission 1530, uh, what, what were the early steps of that? Well, so the mission 1530 program is technically not a nonprofit. Okay. It's a vessel to fund nonprofit programs. Okay. So I walked into tequilas again. And David was very grateful for the money that was raised through the Bad Ombre project. And I said, I kind of want to do something bigger. I want to continue to do something charitable in the organization or for the, for the tequila industry. And I said, I'd love to do a, a barrel program with, um, we talked about Fortaleza has always been one of my favorite yeah. brands before it became popular back, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. way back when tequila, Ocho, Cascawin and Sierra Valles. And my original idea was to get these four barrels. I love the influence that Cognac has on a tequila. Yeah. Uh, a Cognac barrel has, French oak in general has on tequila. Agreed. So my original idea was, hey, let's do a single barrel program. I'll get these barrels. I'll age them in my house. And then I'll ship them out illegally to everyone for, you know, for donations. And David set me straight, as did my uh, girlfriend, Erin. <laughs> Uh, with some choice words about there's no way in heck you're going to do that, you know, in our house. And I was like, you're probably right. It'd probably be easier if we did it in Mexico. And that was David's idea. Yeah. He said, let me talk to Guillermo. Let me talk to Carlos. Let me talk to Chava. This is something we would all love to do. It was one phone call. It was a very easy conversation. They all agreed. And then I said, David, I don't really have any connections for French Oak. He said, I have a connection for Cognac. He put me in touch with Nicholas Palazzo. Okay. Who put me in touch with uh, one of his good friends in France. Oh, awesome. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting four or 500 liter wet barrels of cognac shipped through Soro Imports from France to uh, the Gulf Coast of Mexico and then transported to Guadalajara. And this is all you, like you're paying for this. I mean, you're, yep. you're going, Hey, this yep. is, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is and, yep. and I'm going to pay for this. I'm, I'm sure, you know, again, th this isn't an easy project for you to uh, spearhead, but a lot of work at this. It, it is. And that's why it's, it's when, when the Fortaleza came out and I, I told everybody, this is a charitable project. I've, spent a lot of money getting it to this point. Yeah. And I want everybody who buys this bottle to appreciate it, to appreciate it, what it stands for, to know that the impact that you had in buying this bottle goes directly to funding tip. Enjoy it. Yeah. And if you're going to sell it, sell it for the right reasons, sell it to raise more money for tip, Yeah, 100%. not to put in your pocket. And, you know, I was aggressive with resellers in the marketplace and because I didn't like what they were util you know, utilizing these bottles for. Yeah. The ones that were using it for charitable causes, I, I, I'm okay with, but the, the people that are just selling this to make money, that's not what this is for. Yeah, yeah, and I would think, I mean, for someone who 
does not work in the industry uh, attempting to bring these bottles to the market because now you got to go through i mean you've got to go through all of the proper channels of the three-tier system now that this is in mexico and it's going through the proper you know the proper channels that it needs to go through what what challenges did you face and and what did you learn along the way because i'm sure you you've learned a lot with this it was definitely complicated getting the fortaleza to the united states was a process what I was lucky in is that each of the producers has their own importers, their own distributors, and their own retail channels. So for Fortaleza, it was, we're going to use Breakthrough. Okay. And the import, Fortaleza sold this at cost. The importer sold it to just cover their costs. Yeah. The distributor, I mean, everybody sacrificed to, to bring these to market. And when it got to Florida, I spoke to Kobe and... He said, SIP, SIP is a, a great place to. Yeah, they do a great job. Organized and we, we can sell it through, through SIP. Yeah. So once it got to the US, I had the conversation with Keith and with Carolyn and the game plan just fell into place for this, for this to be sold. And I wanted to do a pre-sale because there were more bottles of Fortaleza that there, than there are of the next two releases. Oh, okay. So my. My goal was for all the loyal people that have followed me for, for as long yeah. as this is going on for several years, let me give them up an opportunity to buy this before it really goes on sale. Yeah. It was very nice of you. I mean, people I yeah. mean, like myself, I mean, we've talked about this for years about walking yeah. through this process. Uh, so it, it was very nice of you to say, Hey, this is going to hit, but, but I do want to offer a few bottles to people that have been walking with me on this journey. And we paid right. for them. I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, you didn't give them to us. We, right. we bought them. Yeah. Glad, gladly. Everybody paid for them and 150 bottles were sold, which left for over 400 bottles to the general public, which is what all the other expressions are going to be. Tequila okay. Ocho might be more. There might be more bottles of that. Okay. So the general public had access to the same number of bottles that the next two releases are going to be. So it wasn't like... There wasn't favoritism. There was, yeah. I appreciate people supporting me for as long as they did. So you're going to get access to those bottles, you know? All four of those barrels were pretty much exactly the same. You said they're same size, 500 liter French oak cognac barrels. When when we opened them and you got a, a whiff of of that fresh cognac, the, the, the wood soaked cognac inside, yeah. it all smelled identical. Okay. It was Stefano you know, popped it open. There was like a, you could hear a, that sound when you open a barrel that's been sealed tight yeah. and he smelled it and he was just like, oh. And do they rinse just, it or they just fill it? They're just, no, they're, they're they just, just filled it. it. Okay. Yeah. They okay. just filled it. There was no liquid inside, but the barrel was still wet. Yeah. So I posted a picture of the barrel in the back of David's truck and it was vacuum sealed in black plastic. So there was no, okay. nothing could be, it, it couldn't dry out. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so what was it that the Fortaleza, because that was the first one. You've got four of these. The Fortaleza was yep. the first one. I, I've seen this barrel there for, for some time. You know, we would see the, the winter blend barrel and then go, oh, down below it, it would say, you know, Mission 1530, which yeah. is pretty cool. I mean, just that alone to, to stop and go, man, as a tequila lover, to have a barrel from not just Fortaleza, but Ocho and Casqueen and, and, you know, these partnerships that you've got for you, that's gotta be pretty special. I mean, I know there's, there's an incredible message behind what you're doing and, and, and it's not for you. It's for, uh, you know, good charity work from, for Tequila Interchange Project, 
but just as a as a tequila lover, it's got to be pretty cool for you to go, wow, I got to be a part of something where, you know, my my name or my organization was on a, a Fortaleza barrel and now I get to to taste it and sip it. That that's got to be pretty special. So I, I I get down to to Jalisco several times a year and I would go to visit my barrels like they were my children and hug them. That's <laughs> that's how much I love these these barrels. And it's nice because at Cascaween the Siempre Valles barrel is right next to the, the Cascaween barrel. Okay. So I could like lay on top of them when they were. <laughs> now, did, are you, are you getting to try them along the way or this, this Fortaleza Reposado, you know, you said, Hey, I want this to be, cause I think the Ocho is an extra on Yeho, if I'm, is that correct? So yeah. So Fortaleza Reposado, Cascaween on Yeho, and then Siempre Valles extra on Yeho. Tequila Ocho Extra on you. Oh, wow. Okay. All high proof. And was that just kind of how they came out to be and timing of things that you're looking to do? Or did you specifically go, hey, this is where I want these to hit? I I talked with each of the producers and I wanted to showcase the agave by making it a high proof. Okay. Along with the influence of the barrels. So I chose aged expressions, the Reposado from Fortaleza, but it's an older, again, it's an 11 month Reposado yeah. that tastes more like a, I mean, it tastes more like an extra Añejo to be honest with you, because <laughs> yeah. of the influence. Yeah. They are all unbelievably delicious. And again, my goal was I'm not going to do a Blanco, even though a Blanco is my favorite expression, because there was nothing unique about me just saying, Hey, can I have some of your Blanco yeah. and yeah, can yeah, we yeah. bottle it? So I wanted to have some, some say in how this was going to come out and how this was going to taste. And all the producers love the idea of French oak. It wasn't something that they normally do except yeah. in a winter blend or a special release from Tequila Ocho every once in a while or, or Chava's French oak extra on that, that he came out with a couple of years ago. So it, it was cool to have the support of the producers. And when I got to sample these, to say that it came out the way I wanted is an understatement. It came out so much better than I ever expected. So I bet, I bet. And that yeah. first one, like we said, that, that was the Fortaleza and tell me a little bit. This was, you know, we said 500 liter French Oak cognac barrel and 11 months. I mean, for a Reposado, you're not going to get much more of a resting than 11 months. Uh, so right. we're definitely getting some barrel contributions and influence there. And then this was bottled at 47% ABV. Yep. So, I mean, that alone, I mean, you know, because we were announcing it and when we got bottles beforehand, you know, people were posting and everyone was asking, when is this going on sale and what, what's the cost? What's the cost? Because, you know, people immediately think Fortaleza and they think someone's going to jack the price up, you know, sip tequila. They said, Hey, it's 150 bucks. We're not going to, I mean, this could have sold for so much more. And for something that is a single barrel French oak cognac at 47% ABV at 11 months, to me, and then you, on top of it, you know, it's going to charity. I mean, it's going to a good cause. I mean, that that's a no-brainer to go, hey, I want to try to get my hands on this and to support this. And and really turned out, I mean, just a, a very special bottle. Now, something that makes this even a little more rare is um, the back label was a little off on on some, yeah. on some of it as it, it said i think what 200 liter cask and, and i immediately started doing some math and i texted you and i said hey something's off here uh what, yeah. what's the story with with the label so again things are always more valuable when they're wrong yeah so what's unique about this is it's so it says it's used american oak 
and I know somewhere it said it was a 200, it was a 200 liter barrel or, but so the two mistakes are it's French oak and it was a 500 liter cognac cask. But other than that, I think everything is right. So there are two mistakes on it, which I think is funny. So, so this is uh, kind of like an air baseball card or, or yeah. something that, you know, yep. will only in, increase in value, but, but hopefully people aren't taking this to sell. This did sell, you know, they, they picked a, a time and date. I think it was January 31st or something like yep. that at noon. And, and people were, you know, people online are usually pretty quick to have something to complain about. And I know a lot of people didn't get it. I know, you know, it was a lot for SIP. I mean, they handled it all well. And they said, hey, we fulfilled everything. It came through. It sold out in less than a minute. And I almost feel like after seeing a lot of the complaints and people commenting online, I go, man, I feel like we're losing sight of what this is and and why this is. I mean, th there's been a ton of work that that you've been doing on this. It's got to feel pretty incredible to one, uh, get to the finish line with this first one, because, you know, we've talked about there were a lot of ups and downs of like, how are we getting this here? Now we've got to go through this and, and to see it come to the finish line. And so many people are buying it and loving it. And then on top of that, you know, you get to play such a huge role and going to the tequila interchange project and go, Hey, this is what we raised for you. That that's got to feel pretty incredible. It's the best part of this entire journey so far yeah. to know that the impact that this bottle made for the tequila interchange project is going to go to help the entire industry. Yeah. And it's going to help protect the future of the industry and only be used for a good cause. You know, and you, you talked about the backlash that some people had because they didn't get these bottles and missing, losing sight of what these bottles stand for. Yeah. And I think what people need to realize are a lot of the single barrel Fortaleza Reposados that come out are not for charity. They're to come out for some special program or something else. This is the first time other than the, um, the Fortaleza that was to, to raise money for the dog. So Fortaleza has done two charitable projects yep. in this past year that are charitable in nature. So I think people's anger is misplaced because they don't understand that this isn't just a, a normal single barrel reposado that's for sale and you could resell it. There is a purpose behind this and that purpose is for charity. So, so this one's out. I know people are loving it. I mean, Fortaleza, you, you just can't go wrong with Fortaleza. What, what's the next? You did mention the other brands and what they're going to be, but what's the next? Is there next two that you said are, are in the pipeline yeah. to eventually release? So Cascoin Añejo, which is coming in in the, a little below 90 proof, okay, is going to be the next one. Uh, that should be reaching the U.S. fairly soon. Roughly 400-ish bottles? You, you're... 425, I think. Okay. Um, I don't have the final number. Okay. Um, I'll, I, I'm going to talk with David and he's going to let me know when the when the um, bottles hit the U.S. What I want people to understand is I don't have any control over how the bottles are sold. Yeah. So the, re the retailers pick how the bottles are sold. So I believe Cascaween is going to be sold in stores, but there's only 425 bottles. So it's going to be in select stores and select states from what I understand. Okay. So, so we'll... Well, once, once those start coming out, once you tell me when that release is, you know, we'll make sure via our social medias that, that people know, and, and it's the same type of deal that it is going to the hundred percent of the profits is going to the tequila interchange project. Yep. There's, you have for people that, that didn't get the first bottle or the second bottle, there's four chances. So yeah. I hope 
you know, at least one out of four is successful for you. Yeah. And also, you know, for people that, you know, look, I, I know we all want a great bottle of tequila, but to, to impact and, and that's, you know, we've talked a lot about this. I mean, something I want to continue to do with, with the platform I have is how can we continue to impact the men and women that work in the industry? And so, you know, go to tequila, we'll, we'll make sure people know the websites, but go to the tequila interchange project and donate something to it. You know, hey, I didn't get a bottle. Well, okay, that, that's, uh, I'm sorry you didn't get a bottle. But if you want to impact and continue to uh, have this incredible liquid of tequila for years and years and years, uh, this is an organization that is going, hey, this is very important to make sure for sustainability. So I want to encourage people to go and to uh, donate uh, themselves. Uh, Jason, thank you for all your hard work in doing this. I, I know that you've spent a lot of time. I know you spent, uh, you know, your personal money in doing this. And, and honestly, look, you could have just taken that money and you could have donated it to tip and probably gotten a lot of time back and, and not have been so stressed throughout this whole process. But you wanted to create something that brought people in on this conversation and raise awareness on this bat friendly project and tequila interchange project. So man, so much respect for, for making a difference and putting this together. Uh, how can people keep up with uh, mission 1530 and what you've got going on? So you can follow the mission 1530 program on Instagram. It is focused on raising money for the tequila interchange project. And like you said, if you care about the industry, if you care about the future of agave spirits, not only tequila, but mezcal, resia, everything yeah. under that, that umbrella of agave spirits, the tequila interchange project is the best resource for helping to protect that. So, and people who didn't get the bottle said, we didn't know about tip. We know about it now. And people donated money. And that is one of the most overwhelming aspects of this that even though people didn't get a bottle, they weren't so short-sighted in the sense that I didn't get a bottle, I'm not going to donate, or my donation was buying the bottle. They donated because they fell in love with the project. They learned about the project and they fell in love with it. So like you said, I encourage everybody to check out the Tequila Interchange Project. They are not flashy on social media. They don't you know, puff out their chest and, and, and brag about anything, but they are working behind the scenes day in and day out to make sure that you know, the science behind, behind agave culture is active and ever-changing. Uh, the Bat Friendly Project is continuing and that they are fighting in the, in the legislature for rights for these producers to combat the excesses of mass production and celebrity tequila. So yeah. And a lot behind the scenes, a, a lot, it's a uphill yeah. battle for them for a lot, what they're doing and for them to learn more about that, uh, batfriendly.org, I believe that will take you. If you type in tequila interchange project, it will take you to batfriendly.org, which will get you more information about that. Jason, uh, we anxiously look forward to the next release and, uh, man, we, we hope that this continues to have a profound impact on the industry because we, we know that, and there's so many amazing men and women that are working in this industry and uh you know thanks to guys like you and david suro and and a lot of the people a lot of the you know the amazing brands the bottles that you have behind you the bottles i have behind me there's so many amazing men and women that have their hands involved in that and they want this to to be a win long term not just for right now so so thank you that for all that you're doing with this and we're excited to continue to see what mission 1530 comes up with and for these releases cheers my friend cheers Doug.
Doug. Thank you for having me as always. Absolutely. And thanks for everything that you do. You do a, a lot for the industry as well. So thank you. Thank you, brother. Cheers. Cheers. That was Jason Krasno with Mission 1530. Be sure to follow them on Instagram at Mission 1530 Program. And to learn more about the Bat Friendly Program, you can go to batfriendly.org. I'm Doug Price, and thanks for listening.